Let's face it, we frontliners see the absolute worst of humanity more than we may like, definitely a lot more than the general population. And while I can certainly appreciate heading to the local, off-shift friendly drinking establishment after a particularly difficult night, I'd much rather cope with finding whatever humor I can in a bad situation. Trust me, it's better than having to call my adult daughter to pick me up from a bar at 9 o'clock in the morning because I can't, uh, find my keys. My name is Jennifer Cosgrove, and I've been a night shift nurse for close to two decades. I created Overnight Observations to not just celebrate and share the often extremely dark sense of humor many of us possess, but to really dig in and chat about how allowing ourselves to find levity in serious situations not only helps us cope in the moment, it's also been scientifically proven to be beneficial to our overall mental health and physical well-being. So grab a cup of lukewarm coffee and a cold slice of pizza, sit back and relax, but not too much, you'll get us all in trouble, and just observe. Hey there, welcome to Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. How are you? I'm Jen. And you can tell that I work the night shift and that I'm kind of coming off a seven-day stretch. I forgot to put the mic on, so I've been talking for the past, oh, I don't know, minute and a half, two minutes, and didn't realize it wasn't recording until I happened to glance over at my software here and saw, hey, Jen's talking to herself again. Happens to the best of us, right? Ugh. <laughs> anyway, that is a perfect segue into some of the fun that we're going to be having today here on episode three. Oh, we have to laugh at ourselves, right? Honestly. Ugh. Anyway, I've had some fun since I've been sleeping the past couple of days after. It wasn't a seven-day stretch. It was seven days, six nights out of those seven I worked. And you know, not getting any younger, kind of feeling the kind of feeling it these days. But yeah, that's okay. It makes for fodder and fun stuff to talk about and little slips here and there. And I know I make my grandson giggle some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth. It's not terrible. So, you know, don't don't call anybody and don't call his mother. But hey, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you really laugh at, right? Since I've had some sleep, I've been doing a little bit of research, of course, among the use of humor where first responders and healthcare workers come in and even on researching humor in general, just kind of going back and finding, you know, where humor comes from, the word as well as the different uses of it. And it's kind of interesting stuff. So I'll be getting into that, but not completely in this episode. I'll kind of space it out over the next few. I will start out with the Merriam-Webster meaning of humor, at least as a noun. It's also a verb. And of all the different meanings, there's not just one meaning for it. There are more than one meaning and a whole bunch of sub-meanings, which I thought was really, really cool. But for these purposes, we will start with, let's see, where is it here? It is meaning number one with sub-meaning number, I don't know, sub-meaning B. It's, it's, it's crazy. Anyway, the meaning of humor, according to the Merriam-Webster is as follows, and I quote, the quality which appeals to a sense of the ludicrous or absurdly incongruous, a funny or amusing quality, end quote. To further define for our purposes here on observations, subdefinition 1b is the, quote, mental faculty of discovering, expressing, or appreciating the ludicrous or absurdly incongruous, the ability to be funny or amused by things that are funny, end quote. And, going with meaning 2a, is, quote, an often temporary state of mind 
imposed especially by circumstances, end quote. I don't know about the whole temporary state of mind thing, but circumstances? <laughs> yep, definitely. Now, anyone that knows me, be it personally or professionally, has heard me utter the words, I could do an entire stand-up set about my first year in the trenches, which is adult medical surgical nursing to those of you that are, let's say, uninitiated. I have to warn you, some of the following content isn't for the faint of heart or for those who just don't get it, who say things like, I don't understand why you didn't, I don't know, report them for harassment, push them away, yell at them, blah, 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 whatever. Pick one. I've heard them all. This isn't an option in this line of work. Because at the end of the day, people who are in this type of public service know exactly what they've signed up for. It's a calling after all, right? Plus, can you imagine how downright boring work stories would be without us? Not the kind our family members would give us the old stink eye over or the do you mind I'm eating kind of comments, which I've heard that a lot of you. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, do we sometimes say things on purpose at the most inopportune moment around our families just to see a reaction? Of course not. Never. We would never do that. <laughs> of course, I can't say that with a straight face because, you know, it, it's fun. It's fun kind of throwing something out there, a comment on what a meal looks like. Well, hey, I just saw that and you, you just, you know, just getting yelled at. It's, it's fun. Sometimes it's appreciated, usually by the younger members of the family, but usually not. Oh, well, whatever. Looking back on it now and hearing from other people, not just in nursing, but in other first responder positions, I don't think anyone's ever really prepared for that first year on the job. You know, being let loose and having to rely on your own minimal experience, talking to your mentors and trying to figure out how best to see a situation and deal with a situation. It's definitely an experience, definitely an experience to be sure. Some of my more memorable ones I'm going to share with you because I promised I would and just kind of reliving them makes me appreciate what I do now. I'm going to start at the beginning, where it all started, my interview. I remember driving to a small community hospital that I first worked at when I was first a nurse, a little bit further from where I was living, but very small, very, everybody knew everybody. There no such thing as HIPAA. They liked seeing me coming because like, okay, you can take care of this relative and you can take care of that relative and they don't know you and, which was kind of interesting. But when I went in for my interview when I first started, or before I first started, I remember driving, taking the turn into the driveway of the hospital. And on one side of me was the hospital. And on the other side of me was a graveyard, which, okay, fine. But I remember kind of going around a slight corner and thinking, well, well where, is, where is the body chute? I was expecting to see a body come flying out of a chute somewhere to land in the graveyard because I figured, well, hey, this is convenient. And I don't know if that's very good advertising for the hospital. A graveyard right next door? I did make mention of this when I went in for my interview, believe it or not. And the nurse manager burst out laughing. She thought it was funny. And she hired me, which was really great. But I did tell her, you know, I, I, there, I, I'm not planning on doing adult med surge for the rest of my life. I would like to do something else. And she understood. But she thought I'd be a decent fit. So I started there shortly after. And my first week or two there, I had a wonderful preceptor for longer than the first week or two. She was my preceptor. Jeez, I forget how long. I forget how long. It had to be a while before I started on the evening shift. But Carol was tremendous. She was wonderful. Had one of the best smiles I've ever seen. 
in my life. Just great sense of humor, great big smile, laughed about pretty much everything. She taught me a lot. So yeah, this must have been maybe the second or third week I was on orientation. I had my list of patients that I had to go check on in the morning. And there was one in particular that I won't forget because it kind of, I certainly wasn't expecting it. They had four bedrooms. A lot of the rooms were semi-private rooms. Four beds, two of them. Some rooms had two, but there were quite a few that had four. And the young man that I was on my patient list had been in a motor vehicle accident the night before. And they had kept him for, hey, guess what? Overnight observation. See what I did there? And I was going in to check on him in the morning, do vital signs, all of that stuff. I go over to where the bed was. The curtain had been pulled. It was about 7.30 in the morning. I pulled the curtain while I was saying hello. And he was awake. His girlfriend was awake. Something else was awake. And I had no idea what to do. I think you listeners can use your imagination as to the scene that I happened upon. And I turned around, pulled the curtain, walked out of the room, went over to my preceptor and said, Carol, I think he can go home today. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, so I briefly described what I had seen, not knowing that the girlfriend had stayed over. No one knew that the girlfriend had stayed over, I guess because they kept the curtain closed and were kind of quiet. But the look on Carol's face was priceless. She just looked at me for a second, stood up, and she was not a small woman by any any stretch. I wouldn't want to meet her in a dark alley and get on her bad side. I don't think she had a bad side. She was amazing. But she walked into that room. She said, come with me. Walked into the room, whipped that curtain open, scaring pretty much everybody in the room, but especially those two, and tore him a new one. She basically said, you get dressed pointed at the girlfriend, you get out. And just, oh boy, it was quite, it was quite humorous now that I, now that I look back on it, but oh man. So moral of the story, kids, if you get in a motor vehicle accident and they keep you overnight and you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, tell them not to stay over because I was embarrassed for them. It just, wow. You think things like this just happen in movies. Well, someone took a movie idea, tried to bring it to real life, but I guess they didn't count on the nurse walking in, kind of putting the kibosh on the good time. So that was kind of the patient being a little bit inappropriate, or maybe not a little bit inappropriate, but inappropriate himself rather than to the staff. But uh, got one of those for you too, on a more personal note, a couple of them, actually. I mean, there was the little old man that I was taking care of who, I don't know if he thought he was funny or just, you know, being a little old man. He would see me come in the room and be like, hey, honey, come sit on Uncle Ralphie's lap, make an old man happy. Of course, I had to point out that he was not my Uncle Ralphie. And he replied, he kind of chuckled and replied, ah, come on, I'm going to be dead soon. Don't be stingy. Usually you could just laugh it off and, you know, we wouldn't hear much more of it. You just had to be careful bending over or moving too close because something inappropriate might just happen. Looking back on it, the the little old men could, could be a little bit perverted, but I think it was all in fun, usually. They were harmless. The little old ladies, on the other hand, the suppressed little old ladies, wow, I was told in a report one day that this particular patient had just been admitted, and, oh, she's pleasantly confused. Well, there was really nothing pleasant 
about her confusion. Uh, her bell went off and I went in the room. And this little old lady, kind of Betty White-ish looking, not as cute, certainly, but a you know, little teeny tiny thing. Her feet were just kind of, she was sitting on the side of the bed. Her feet were kind of dangling off to the side. And at the time, looking back on it, I really didn't notice that she had one hand behind her back. Didn't notice it at all. She asked me to come over to her and I went over and I asked her what was, you know, what I could help her with. And she said, oh dear, I'm, I'm a little hard of hearing. Can you come a little closer? Because I, I really can't hear you. And me, fresh-faced nurse just out of school, wanting to help however I could, I said, sure, of course. And I leaned forward a little bit more. Well, with the hand that was visible, she grabbed me by my scrub top, yanked me down, and the hand that was behind her back was holding that old-fashioned nursing call bell, that giant plastic thing that was about four inches in length, two inches in depth. And she started hitting me on the head and shoulders, saying words that really shouldn't be coming out of any 80-year-old lady's mouth. I don't know if I can repeat them here, but I I, I will never forget them. There were F-bombs, there were C-words, there were oh, oh. And I didn't know what to do. I, I was completely stunned, couldn't move a muscle until I did finally come to my senses, realize I was being beaten up by an 80-year-old lady. And I did what any normal person would do and screamed for help. Yes, I did. I screamed the walls down. And my preceptor, who wasn't my preceptor at the time, I was actually off and running on my own. Carol comes running in with one of the male nurses, I believe his name was Mike, and it took both of them to pull us apart. This woman was like the Tasmanian devil, just screaming and swearing and kicking and punching and scratching. Oh my God. And the charge nurse got on the phone. She was calling the doctor who prescribed two milligrams of Ativan. And I thought, only two milligrams? And I can't give it to her in the eye? Really? Oh man, that that just really completely blew my mind that she could be that strong and that violent. Didn't see that coming. And later on, after she was sedated and a little more comfortable, her daughter came in to visit. And funny thing, her daughter and I kind of had the same build physically, the same hair color, length, the whole deal. And I looked at her for a minute and I said, your mom doesn't like you very much, does she? And instead of saying, what do you mean? She looked at me, her eyes got wide. She grabbed my arm in a nice way, not like her mother did, and said, oh my God, what did she do to you? So there was that. And yeah, you know, elderly patients, male or female, can be interesting. You never know what you're going to get. However, the patients a little bit closer to my age, mm, either they were very polite or they were a little bit bold and trying to be sneaky. Had a patient probably, uh, I was there for about a year, so probably a little over half a year in, had had a knee replacement. He was probably, eh, I would say, early to mid-50s. Call bell goes off, I go in the room, and he said, oh, nurse, I'm having some trouble using the urinal. And I said, oh, okay, you know, total knee replacement. He still hadn't been up and out of bed at that point yet. Things were, you know, this is 20 years ago. They didn't get you up immediately after surgery anymore. And I said, well, what do you need some, what do you need help with? And he said, well, could you hold it for me? And I thought, oh, do you need me to hold the urinal? He said, no, kind of put two and two together. So I said, well, you know, 
I'll be back in a minute. I have a couple of things I need to do, and then I can I can help you out. He said, great. So I leave the room. I go to the stock room. I get a catheter kit, some lube, and some gloves, and a cup, and I, a specimen cup. I bring it back into the room, and I put it on the table, the bedside table, and he says, what's all that for? And I said, well, you know, when I when I left the room, I took a look at your orders again, and the doctor had said that if you were unable to urinate, I would have to catheterize you and send a sample down to the lab. And the look of horror on his face started to kind of grow a little bit. And I said, but I do have a couple of meds I have to give within a certain amount of time, so I'm going to go do that. And I'll be back in about 15 minutes, and you'll have my undivided attention while I do this. We'll get it going, okay? Great. So I leave the room, I medicate my patients, I give the guy about a half an hour, go back in the room, and what do you know? The urinal is sitting there, it's three quarters full, not a drop spilled. And I said, see, this is what incentive can do. You did a great job, good for you. And I you know, gathered everything up and, and put it away. I was bullshit. Really? Come on, dude. And, and nurses every day, deal with stuff like this. You, you can shout down the rafters, oh, it's, it's sexual harassment. You know what? Yeah, whether it is or whether it isn't, it is. This is the stuff that we put up with on a regular basis, whether it's physical abuse, sexual you know, harassment, verbal harassment. It all happened in a very short amount of time. And, you know, have a little respect and have some understanding. It's funny to look back on, but at the time, it's infuriating and it's miserable and... It hurts. <laughs> I didn't have a concussion, but but again, you have to have a sense of humor about the whole thing or else you're going to run away screaming. Last story I'm going to tell you is kind of a mutual sense of humor one. This is one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite patients ever in my med surge days. He was very ill. I'm not going to name names or diagnoses or anything else. He was in, he was very ill. Christmas Eve was having some friends visit him with the whole kit and caboodle. Christmas goose, a bouche noel, all of the fixings that were going to come in, celebrate Christmas Eve with him. So I told him, well, you know, get some, I'll, I'll medicate you so you can get some rest, and then we'll make sure that you're all set to receive them when they get here and that you're in a good mood and you're not in pain and you feel good. Okay. I had medicated him. He was taking a nap. I went in to check a couple of things, check his IV, and he woke up and he was still kind of out of it with, with the medicine and looked at me and said, well, where's my Christmas goose? And me being me, I took that as an opportunity to try and make a patient laugh that I thought would appreciate the humor of it. And I said, well, geez, I'm not your type and it's probably not going to make as much of a difference coming from me. But you know what? What the hell? It's Christmas Eve. Roll over. And he just kind of looked at me. And he started to grin and he started to laugh and he full out started to giggle. And I said, seriously, is there anything I can do for you? He said, no, no, I'm good. So I said, great, we'll get you all set in a little bit for your company. Fast forward a little while later, his company comes down the hall laden with gifts and food and everything else. And they go in the room and about half an hour later, the CA comes out and says, hey, Jen, room 14 would like to see you. So I go into room 14 and one of his friends points at me and says, is this the one? 
And I said, you told them. And he, he said, well, I had to. It was the best. It was the best. I wasn't expecting it. And you just made me laugh. It was great. And I said, listen, I never would have said that to anybody else. It had to be you. I don't know if anybody else would have appreciated it, but I certainly would never, ever dream of, I would think it, but I would certainly never, ever, ever say it. Short time later, he was discharged home. Didn't see him again until maybe, that was December, so maybe July, June or July. He came in to visit, and he looked amazing. He was tanned. He was in great shape. He looked awesome. And he said, I was really ho- I visited my doctor earlier today. I came up here. I was hoping you would be here this afternoon. I just wanted to say thank you so much for making what could have been a really miserable holiday bearable and better. And I really needed that laugh. And, and thank you so much for doing that. I will never forget you. And I just wanted to let you know that. And he was moving to Florida with his partner. I've never forgotten that. And he was a joy, and I hope he's doing well. And I wish him nothing but the best. Humor comes in all shapes, sizes, diagnoses, results, tests, people, you name it, it's there. You just have to find it. And when you can find it, not only does it improve your mood, but it can really improve the moods of the people you work with, the people you take care of, and yeah, even your family if they kind of get where you're coming from. Always happy to hear your take on it. Overnight observations at gmail.com. Share your stories. I'd love to hear them. Want me to talk about them on here? Happy to do that. Want to be interviewed? Great. Let me know. Take care. Thank you again for listening and being here. Always happy to hear your take on it. Until next time. Ciao. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. If you've laughed a little or a lot and learned something in the process, I've done my job. For more respectfully irreverent humor and the scientific proof that it's actually good for you, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget that a little bit of levity goes a long way to leaving some of the darkness behind. The sun always rises. Greet it with a grin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.